was awake. My husband and I had gone to bed early, and I... Reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Merle Oberon stars in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Then Ezra Stone stars as bumbling teenager Henry Aldrich in part one of a comedy installment of The Aldrich Family from 1940. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? I'm good. Good. Uh, we have a little stargazing here. Okay. Dax Shepard will direct the new Scooby-Doo animated movie. Really? Yeah, we're all fans of Kristen Dax Shepard. Kristen Bell's husband. Chris, well, as a matter of fact, she will be in the movie, too. What a coincidence. Oh, I don't know how that happened. there. Um, but he recently completed the movie Chips. Uh, which is a film based on the oh, 1970s yeah. TV series. About the motorcycle cops. Exactly. I remember it. I remember it well. Oh, yeah. Um, Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada. I don't That's know the exactly other guy, right. but I, I do remember Eric Estrada. Yes, I remember him. But Sorry, uh, other guy, if you're listening. <laughs> but uh, Dax Shepard wrote it and directed it and is starring in it He's as well. He's probably the blonde guy in it, the guy that I, that I can't remember his name. He's pl- probably playing him. Um, he's playing there was Eric Estrada. Officer John Baker. It was Eric Estrada. He was the darker guy. And then right. there was a blonde guy. And I just um, can't remember. Michael who... Pena is going to be in this and Kristen Bell and some other okay. uh, great stars. Sounds so good. we can look up. He's teaming up with Warner's Animation Group. He will co-direct. And the release date is September 21st, 2018. So hold All on right. a little while for that All one. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Carl. Time now for Merle Oberon, a terrific actress, beautiful actress, starring on suspense. This is called The Bluebeard of Belloc. Let's go back to September 21st, 1944 for part one of Suspense. Now, Roma Wines present Suspense. Tonight, The Bluebeard of Belloc, starring Merle Oberon. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Yes, right now, a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the man in black here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you a star, Miss Merle Oberon. And a suspense play inspired by an actual recent news item from occupied France. And so, with the bluebeard of Belloc, and with the performance of Merle Oberon, we again hope to keep you in suspense. All right, give me a 
back, stand back there. Back up the wall. How, uh, how many were there this time? One. They found most of him. And? It was a soldier, a German. I ordered with an officer. Stay back. Back there. Come on. But, uh, they're still digging? Yes. What officer was it, did they say? They back think it the was wall. Captain Muller. You know, the doctor. They think. They don't know. They're looking for his head. One, two, three. Of course, they found the body, identified the body. Why don't they identify him? Identify him? The blue beard. Why they find out who he is? Listen, listen. Achtung, achtung. Villages of Belac, Saint-Jean, Bralagnon, Fleury. Achtung. This morning's victim of the blue beard of Belac is identified as Captain Franz Müller, medical officer attached to the staff of Colonel Strelitz. Oh, an officer. For the first time, the blue bear himself has been seen, and a description has been provided. Yes. I must speak with Colonel Strelitz. Is he here? I have information. Information about what? About the blue beard. Is the colonel here? He's in the staff car. Over there. Please take me to him. I must see him. And uh, who are you? Cecile Combre. Madame Combre. I live on the road to Flomay, just outside the village. Well, uh, all right. Come along, madam. Is that the colonel sitting in the back of the car? Yes. Now you wait here. I'll see. Overstrated, Corporal Brecht. Corporal. Oberst, das ist eine Frau von dem Dorf hier, eine Madame Combre. Sie hat angeblich Informationen über den Blaubart. Naja, wieder so ein hysterisches Frauenzimmer, Herr Oberst. Was kann man da machen, Kreuzer? Ich meine, eine Möglichkeit. Wo ist sie? Dort drüben, Herr Oberst. Ich habe ihr gesagt, sie soll warten. Ordnung. Frau Herkomm. Jawohl, Herr Oberst. The Colonel will see you, Madame. Oh, thank you. Das ist Madame Combré, Herr Oberst. Madame? This is my aide, Lieutenant Kreuzer. It was kind of you to let me speak with you, monsieur. Kind? Naturally, madame. When we were told you have information about the bluebird. Yes, I we have. can't overlook anything. Now that he's killed one of my own officers. I know, I know. And I, I am next. So? The bluebird is going to kill me. He's going to kill me tonight unless you help me. Unless you come home with me and stop him. This is your information? Yes. Why, every woman in Belak believes she is next on the Bluebeard's list. But I know. Madame, the Colonel's time is valuable. We thought you had real information. You don't expect us simply because you hysterically believe No, that... no, please. I know, Colonel Strelitz. How can you know? Because, monsieur. Because the Bluebeard is... is my husband. Why? Your husband is... Dr. Pierre Combray. Yes, He's the man you're looking for. I, I've known it for a long time. He is the Bluebeard. Tonight for Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you a star, Miss Merle Oberon, whom you've heard in the prologue to The Bluebeard of Belloc by Sylvia Richards. Tonight's tale of Suspense.
11 o'clock. He'll be here in an hour. And if you had not come here with me... You have nothing to fear, madame. The house is well guarded. But won't the guards frighten him away? The instructions are to let him through. They will come in only when we have him trapped. And we are armed. Yes, and he does not carry a gun. You know, he uses a knife. Madame Combray, why didn't you come to us before if you knew your husband was the blue beard? First, I wasn't sure. Then, when I was sure, well, he was still my husband. Then why now? Because now he will kill me, and I'm afraid. I knew when he went away with the body of Captain Miller yesterday. So you saw the captain? Yes, I saw it. And when Pierre looked at me, I knew he'd kill me. Tonight. Yes, he may try. It's been weeks of fear, and the night, the endless nights. Have you been married long, madame? Long? No, less than a year. You aren't French, are you? No, no, I'm English. I spent a summer in Flomay about four years ago, and I liked it, so I stayed. I taught English in the village school there. Dr. Combray? About a year ago, there was an epidemic in Flomay, and he... Pierre came there to help. He seemed to me when I met him to be very kind, a very noble man. Of course, I didn't know him well, but when he asked me to marry him, I was very happy. The morning after we were married, he brought me here to Belac, to this house which had been his family's for many generations. It was a beautiful morning, early spring. We came, as you did tonight, up the hill past the summer house to the front door. Well... Here it is, Madame Combray. <laughs> Come, I'll carry you over the threshold. Oh, careful, Pierre. Don't drop me. No chance of that. Now, this is the hall. Shall I carry you on from room to room? Oh, Pierre, no. <laughs> Put me down. Very well. Ah, Come this way. Now, here is the parlor. Oh. Hello, Captain Muller. Good morning, Doctor. I've been waiting. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> they said you'd be back this morning, uh, the people down the road. Yes, I was held up by my wedding. Your wedding? Oh, I'm sorry. Cecile, this is Captain Muller, the medical officer in charge with Colonel Strelitz. Captain, uh, my wife, Cecile. How do you do here, Muller? Well, Doctor, <laughs> I congratulate you. I see even an epidemic can be useful. That's one way of looking at it. Uh, so, what's up, Muller? Oh, uh, oh, 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 I wanted you to come in tomorrow to help with the vaccinations. About uh, 150 are going out and we need help. The last lot carried typhoid. I'd be glad to help. What time? Well, they are leaving at noon. Uh, if you're there at 8 o'clock, we'll have enough time. I'll be there. Very well, Doctor. Madame, tomorrow then. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Ah, now we will go on with our tour. Follow me. Pierre, who's to be vaccinated tomorrow? All labor draftees being sent to Germany. Uh, this is the kitchen. The stairs go up from here. What's upstairs? Well, off that first landing there are several bedrooms. Mine and others know the floor above still more. Before the war, there were servants. This is a pantry? Yes. And this door, where does it... Why, it's locked. What is it? Oh, that is an old wine cellar. It's not used. A cellar? Do you have a key? Uh, there's nothing down there, Cecile, that would interest you. Oh, but I'd like to see. We might be able to grow mushrooms No, or... Cecile, it can't be used. Let's look. Where's the key, Cecile. Pierre? Yes? That door must stay locked. But, Pierre, 
Yeah. You understand? Yes, but but why? No matter what happens, you must never try to go down there. Never. You see, monsieur, it was a small thing. Just a room I must not enter. He told me the room was used for his experiments, and I believed him. I was in love. But there were other things, and they added up to... Fear. Just the taste of fear. A shadow so light, I... I didn't know it was there. It was, first of all, the gossip I heard in the village when I went to market. Good morning, Madame Combray. You're late today. Pierre worked late last night. Is there any milk, Madame Bourget? I can let you have a little. Fine. Oh, if that's all. Uh, does the doctor work often at night? Quite often in his laboratory. Uh, I could not bear a man who potted around after dark. But it's his profession. Maybe. But I would not sleep a wink. Not with this blue beard around. No, I like a man who is steady. So I know what he's up to. Oh, how can you bear to live in that big, depressing house? Oh, but I love it. Well, you're young. I suppose it's romantic to you. It's no place for a woman to be alone. The first Madame Combray, you know. She died there. Yes, Pierre told me. But I know he did everything he could. Oh, yes? It was very sudden. Typhoid can be very sudden. Yes, his certificate said typhoid. That's why your coffin was sealed. Oh. Hey, Jean! Jean, what is it? What is it? What's happened? Everyone's running. There's an announcement, madame. They know who one of them is. One? Of whom? There were three last night. One of them was a man. Three? Why, why, the Bluebeard, he killed three in one night. Cut them to bits. Oh, how terrible. All sliced up and scattered around, madame Cambray. You should have seen. Oh, no. Where, where were they? In the meadow north of the church. Why, that's near your house. The meadow? Yes, Madame Combray. If you had been awake, you would have heard him. You or the doctor. Yes, if I'd been awake, I would have heard. And one night, I was awake... My husband and I had gone to bed early, and I slept well. I'd worked in the garden most of the afternoon. But shortly after 11, something, some sound woke me. It may have been only an owl screech. I lay in the dark and listened. I didn't hear it again. Then I heard another sound. And I saw there was a little moonlight, that my husband was out of bed and that he was dressing. Pierre. Oh, did I wake you? Pierre, what is it? Nothing, Cecile. Go back to sleep. Is... Someone ill? Did someone come for you? I have to go out. Go back to sleep, Cecile. I won't be long. Something woke me. I heard a sound. I'm sorry. Did someone come for you? Was it Captain Muller? No. Who is it, Pierre? Who's it? No ill? one you know. Where are you going, Pierre? Do you have to go far? Go back to sleep. I won't be long. But, but, Pierre... I'm sorry I woke you. You didn't. I'm sure I heard a... Cecile, it's best that you go back to sleep. I just wondered... It's best for you. Good night, Cecile. He went away, Colonel Streets, and I lay there in my bed, rigid, listening to his steps down the dark stairs into this kitchen. I heard the front door open and close. Then he went down the gravel path in the moonlight. I waited. It seemed long, yet it was only a little time. That clock there, 
I could hear the, through the floor, chime the quarter, then the half. When I heard him, it was not yet midnight, and he came slowly, climbing the hill. I slipped out of bed and went down the stairs to the landing there, from where I could watch him come into the kitchen. But when he came into the kitchen, I could not speak, for he was not alone. Over his shoulders, he carried a body. A man, I think. And he was stooped under his horrible burden. He crossed the kitchen without looking up and did not hear what I was sure he must hear, the pounding of my heart. He took a key from his pocket, holding the body with one hand, unlocked that door to the wine cellar and went into its awful blackness. Then I was back in my room. I don't remember how I got there, cold and shaking in my bed. When I heard, oh, monsieur, it was pitiful. I heard rising from the depths of the house from where he had gone. The scream of a man in fearful agony. Cecile. Yes. Yes, Pierre. You are still awake. No, Pierre, I... I told you could go back to sleep. I was, Pierre, I did. But you are awake now. Something... I heard something. Yes, you heard? It... It must have been you opening the door. Oh. You came in suddenly. You must have... Yes, yes, I think I did. Well, we'll go to sleep now. Yes, we'll go to sleep. Pierre? Yes. Was someone ill? Yes. Who was it, Pierre? Did you have to go far? We'll go to sleep now, Cecile. What time is it? Time? It's just past midnight. Midnight was usually the hour. His hour. He always came back soon after. And the following day, there were always the announcements on the loudspeakers in the village. Bodies. Pieces of bodies. It was the day when he and your men found Odette. It was so horrible for me, because she was so beautiful and still only a child. And you remember the body was yet warm. So the whistles were blown, calling all the village to the church square. Because the bluebeard might still carry his knife or have blood on him. Or he might not get there and be known because he was missing. I was in the village and I ran to the square with the mayor. And we stood in line with the others. Everyone was there. Everyone except Pierre. What terror I felt. Monsieur, when you began to call the names. Felix Armand? Yeah. Paul Arden? Yeah. Yvette Barthelmy? Madame Combray, are you ill? It's it's just the sun. It's so warm, yet I feel chilled. You're very pale. Here, Here. Why, I don't see Pierre. Combray? Here, here. Oh, he's, he's probably with Captain Muller. He'll be here. Pierre Combré. Pierre. Here, 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 I'm here. Oh, well. Pierre. Don't look at me like that. You'll attract notice. You're out of breath. Where were you, Pierre? Does it matter? I'm here. But your hands, your clothes, they're wet. So you see, I still did not know. And I needed to be sure. I could not live unless I was sure. So I stole the key, the key to the cellar. Yes, it was that easy. While he slept, and the next day he went to the village with Captain Muller and left me alone with the answer in my hand. I opened the door and went down those steps, carrying a candle. 
We will go down there in a moment, Colonel Strill, to wait for him. And you will see there is a little room, bare and damp by the candle's light. I saw there was something on the table. It was his case, filled with knives, surgical instruments, not strange for a doctor. There was blood on them, fresh blood. And there was more on the table, on the floor, and much blood on a sheet which I found thrown into the corner. I found the strength to get out and to lock the door again. I put the key back that night. So again, I did not know. I did not really know until yesterday. I was sewing in the front parlor, and Pierre was walking up and down because he had an appointment with Captain Muller. The captain was late. Careful, what's keeping Muller? Perhaps he got orders. More soldiers came into Belac yesterday. Many more. Yes, I know, but that shouldn't keep him. There's something going on. They're getting ready for something. Yes, but why would Muller have... Do sit down, Pierre. Your walking makes me nervous. I've spoiled the seam and have to rip it out. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Some of the soldiers were searching houses yesterday. I don't know what they were looking for. Did they come here? Oh, no. At least not while I was here. I was in the village most of the afternoon. That's when I saw the soldiers. And there's nothing here to look for. Is there, Pierre? That's it, of course. Why didn't I think he's down there? Pierre, where, where are you going? I'm going down to my cellar, Cecile. I have work. Pierre, no, not the captain. Yes, the captain and Cecile. I don't want to be disturbed. That's the first portion of Suspense with the Blue Beard of Balak, starring Merle Oberon. We'll get back to it after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to suspense. And then I knew he was going to kill Captain Muller. He was going to kill a German soldier. Worse, an officer. I knew then, Colonel Strelitz, that if he would go that far, he was no longer a man I could even attempt to reason with. His insane urge to kill might turn on anyone. Even me. I had to stop him. Oh! Cecile! Cecile, what are you doing? You can't come down here. You... you killed him. Cecile, now I'll have to. But I wasn't ready. It's not time. Captain Muller, they'll track you down. You... you can't get Cecile, away. Cecile, be quiet. I warned you. I told you not to. Murder. You did it. You killed him and the others. Cecile, I told you. What will you do now? Do? What do you think I'll have to do? And now, now you know too. And in a few minutes, he'll come. And then it'll all be over. It's almost midnight. That's a remarkable story, madame. So he made no attempt to harm you last night? No, Colonel Strelitz. It wasn't time. Not time? He kills only when he feels the need. And he'd already killed one. So the need was gone. And it was daylight. 
He left then? Yes. I haven't seen him since. He looked at me. It was a terrible look. And he went. And I knew by the look that I would be the next. Tonight. And Captain Miller? He... He took the captain's body with him. Come, we must go down to the cellar now, before midnight. Very well. Lieutenant, will you bring the lamp? Yes, I'll bring it. You see, it's unlocked, as he left it. Close the door behind you, Colonel. Very well. Careful, the last step. Another door. Oh, it is small and damp. Is, uh, is that the table where he... Yes. Set the lamp there, Lieutenant. You can see the stairs. They're quite dry by now. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I see. And on the floor. Sit down, monsieur. There, where you can watch the door. I, I will stand here at the back if you don't mind. You're right. It's safest for you. Listen. I heard the clock strike. And, uh, yes, listen. It's a door. Have you your guns? Quiet. Yes, but we want to take him alive. You can. He's coming down. Cecile, are you there? Put your hands up, Dr. Hombre. Ah, visitors. Well done, Cecile. Scarcely visitors, Doctor. A bit more unpleasant for you. Now, if you'll... Put your hands up, Colonel Strelitz. You too, Lieutenant. Madame Comboray. I... Yes, I too had a gun. But your husband? He's... He's a... The bluebeard? I'll take your gun, Colonel, and yours. <laughs> no, Colonel, I am no bluebeard, as you knew very well. It was clever of you to plant the mutilated bodies of your victims to drive me into the open. To create this legend of a bluebeard to make the people of Belak suspect all men who work at night, as I do. To make the village distrust me, their leader. But Madame Combray, you saw Captain Muller, saw his body. The captain? Yes. Pierre killed Captain Muller. He was his one victim because the captain was suspicious and pried a little too far into this room. Pierre had to kill him because he was... He saw our radio station behind that wall. Open it, Pierre, and let the colonel see... You see, the wall opens easily, and behind it is the nerve center for Belak, for our underground army. Army? Sneaks and cowards who set their women to lie. I lied? What else? You said that he carried in a body, that there was a scream in the night, that there was a body. All true, Colonel. Yes, I carried home a man wounded by your soldiers, and I removed the bullet without anesthesia, for we French have no such luxuries. So the blood of that patriot is mixed on the table with that of the late Captain Muller. Don't you know it's hopeless for you? Hopeless? Colonel, surely you know that our armies are in France, Americans, English, and our underground army which surrounds you? But this house is surrounded by my men! It was, you mean, Colonel. Are you still there, Mr. Porter? Porter? Yeah, what do you say, Doc? Everything quiet? Quiet as a tomb, Doc. All things down there. Who's that? We have what you call a couple of rats, Mr. Porter. Then we are finished. Okay. That is Mr. Porter. As you heard, he is an American. An American? You? He is commanding a large number of parachutists who just an hour ago dropped into our meadow. Oh. And who a few minutes ago very quietly killed the guards you mentioned. Killed? My God. 
Yes, and since you were here in the cellar, unfortunately, you could not hear. But now, Pierre, you have your work to finish. Your work? I have orders from my army to kill you and the lieutenant to secure this advance for our allies. So with Cecile's help, I set this little trap. Oh, listen to me. You won't... Cecile... Do you want to share the honor? No, no, no. no, no please, please. Yes. No, I won't. No, no. And so closes The Bluebeard of Belloc, starring Merle Oberon. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Merle Oberon is soon to be seen in the Columbia Technicolor production, A Song to Remember. Next Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, same time, you will hear Mr. Gene Kelly as star of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Suspense from September 21st, 1944 with the Bluebeard of Balak, starring Merle Oberon, sponsored by Roma Wines, as heard on CBS. All right, it's time now for a great comedy. This is the Aldridge family from February 20th, 1940. It's called Rabbits and Pigeons. It stars Ezra Stone as Henry Aldrich, part one now of The Aldrich Family. Henry! Henry Aldrich! Coming, Mother! The Aldrich Family, starring Ezra Stone, written by Clifford Goldsmith. Brought to you by the makers of those delicious new desserts all America's talking about. Jell-O Pudding. In the month of February, you know, fall the birthdays of two great American presidents. We don't know, of course, whether Henry Aldrich will ever become president, but as the scene opens tonight in the Aldrich family living room, Henry has a birthday and other things on his mind. Mother, if you could choose anything in the world for your birthday, what would you take? A million dollars. No, Mother, be reasonable. I can't give you as much as that. What would you like? Right at the moment, Henry, your mother would like a mink coat. A mink coat, Father? A mink coat? Mm-hmm. How much would a thing like that cost? How much do you have? $2.35. <laughs> oh, but uh, that's not important, Father. No, not at all. But it isn't. I've got a scheme all worked out. I'll be able to get anything Mother wants. Really, dear? It isn't anything more than you deserve, Mother. Could you loan me... Could you loan me $2? To which one of us are you speaking? Oh, not to you, Father. I realize I've stretched you to the breaking point as it is. I'm glad you're aware of that. How about it, Mother? How about what, dear? In case you don't know it, Alice, you're about to be stretched to the breaking point. What is it you want the $2 for? To put with the money I have. I'm making an investment. I read a pamphlet, see? It's got the easiest way I ever heard of to make money. What is it? Rabbits. I beg your pardon? Raising rabbits. They'll double your money overnight. You don't say so. But they will, Father. You can't lose. Where would we keep rabbits? In the basement. Well, we're not keeping rabbits in our basement. Read the pamphlet, Mother. One fellow started with just four rabbits, and in two years, he had 700. 
And do you think we're going to have 700 rabbits running all over our basement? Well, I'd make pens for them. And how would I get into the basement? Do you remember, Henry, that stray dog that stayed here last week? I had to ask you to feed her every day she was with us. But that was just one, Mother. I certainly wouldn't forget to feed 700. <laughs> Incidentally, who's going to pay for the feed for 700? Oh, they pay for it themselves. Oh, I see. Out of their own pockets? Father. Everything I suggest you take lightly. Well, if you think I'm taking this lightly, you're quite mistaken. You're not going to spend any money on rabbits. But that's not what I want it for. Oh, I thought that was what you did want it for. No, Mother, it's to buy some galvanized feeding pans. What was that? Feeding pans for the rabbits. For what rabbits? For my rabbits, the ones I've got down in the cellar. <laughs> you have 700 down there? No, Father, just four. I'm only beginning. They're beauties, too. Where did you get them, dear? Happy Taylor gave them to me. How did the Taylor boy happen to do that? I don't know. His folks just seem to think we'd like them better than they would. Yes. Mm. How would you like to be generous, dear, and give them back to Happy Taylor? Mother, don't you want a birthday present? Not as much as I want a home. Well, if I give those back, I won't have anything at all. How about your dog? He left. Because of the rabbits? But, Father, don't you want me to develop responsibility so I'll take care of things and feed them? Henry, we are not opposed to your developing all the responsibility you want to, but you'll have to find someone to take those rabbits. Who is there? Well, how about Tommy Walsh? He has a much larger house than we have. Well, uh, could I give him the rabbits but let him keep them here? <laughs> and your mother and I could live with the Walshes, eh? Well, Father, you have no idea how I've planned on this. Supposing you go to the phone, dear, and see whether Tommy wouldn't like to have them. Now? Henry, if you want a rabbit for a pet, that's one thing. But you're not going to raise rabbits in our basement for the purpose of making money. Now, please call the Walshers. I'll phone them, but I hope they aren't in. Well, Alice, in one year we would have had rabbits in every room in the house. Sam, don't you think we might at least get Henry a dog? Alice, by tomorrow you'll have forgotten the whole thing. Perhaps. He never has kept it anything for more than 24 hours. Well, just the same, he might have kept it this. You mean you want him to raise rabbits? Well, as he says, it would develop character. Alice, let's have an understanding right now. Which do you want Henry to have, character or a father? A father, dear. Who do you suppose that can be at the door? Well, probably Mr. Hubbard. I'll let him in. Well, hello there, Hubbard. Evening. What is it you want repaired? Oh, the trouble's out in the kitchen. Pipe under the sink. Hi there, Mr. Hubbard. Evening. Oh, Henry, will you take Mr. Hubbard out and show him where that leak is? Sure thing. Henry, what did Tommy Walsh say about the rabbit? His folks weren't in. But he'd be very glad to take them, Mother. This way, Mr. Hubbard. Yes, sir. You, uh, raise rabbits? I was going to. Here you are. There's the pipe that's dripping. Oh, don't know whether I have a wrench that'll fit that or not. Want me to look in your bag for you? Yeah, no, thank you. It's a good thing you're getting out of this rabbit business. Don't you recommend it? I'd be a rich man now if it weren't for rabbits. What happened? By the time it was over, even my wife left me. Yeah? Uh, do you want me to hold the screwdriver for you? Uh, will you just put it down, please? Sure. I, uh... Raised beavers once, too. Make a lot of money on them? That was the second time my wife left me. Well, uh, uh, did she ever come back? She did, and she got even with me. How? 
She went in for raising turkeys. She make a lot of money? That was when I left her. I see. Well, tell me, d- did you ever raise silver foxes? Just for one winter. Now, there was an experience. Yeah? If you want to make money real quick, though, the thing to do is raise pigeons. Pigeons? Yeah. That's what I'm going to put every cent I've got into. Is that right? Yes, sir. Once I get it going, I'm giving up plumbing. Want me to hold that nut? Uh, just leave your hands off it. Yes, sir. I figured out there's 300% profit in every pigeon you raise. As much as that? What do you sell them for? Eating purposes? Don't raise that kind. I tried them once. Had to eat them all myself. Well, what kind, what kind do you raise? Carriers. Carriers? Is that right? Oh. The kind that get back home no matter where you take them, huh? Yeah. Where's my hammer? Oh, let's see. Oh, oh here it is. Uh, leave it there. I'll pick it up. <laughs> I knew a fellow once that raised carrier pigeons and sold them to the army. Is that what you're going to do? Yep, and put them in races. That's where you make the real money. Sometimes you win as much as five or ten dollars. Gee whiz, I didn't know anything like that was going on. What is it you're looking for, Mr. Hubbard? A pair of pliers. Just let me look for them myself. Do you mind if I point to them? Where are they? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Gee, there's a business I'd like to go in. What's stopping you? Well, uh, do pigeons take up very much room in a cellar? What are you going to keep them in the cellar for? Why don't you keep them in your attic? Gee, how do they get along in an attic? All you got to do is fix up some hoops and be sure the windows are left open. I wonder why I didn't think of that myself. Uh, want your two-year-old bag, Mr. C- uh, Hubbard? I... Uh, put it right back where it was. Yes. How much would it cost to go into the pigeon business, Mr. Hubbard? Uh, get your head out of the way. Is that better? Yeah, just, just keep it out. I guess you don't need any expensive equipment like you do for rabbits, huh? All you need is some second-hand coops. Where could I get those? Any reason you couldn't advertise in the morning paper? You mean advertise? I just say I want some second-hand pigeon coops and that's all? What else would you suggest? Sure, and I'd save money. Unless, of course, nobody answered. But then the way I look at it, you've got to take a gamble at anything if you want to make money. Isn't that the way you look at it, Mr. Hubbard? Well, I... What are you uh, doing out here? uh, Well, uh, I'm helping Mr. Hubbard find his tools, Mother. Could you please stand back so you don't cast a shadow on him? Oh, my goodness. The way you've been talking out here, I thought you'd have all the problems of the world settled. Have you heard us? Well, I haven't heard what it was about. Hmm. What time does the Centerville Gazette close? Oh, I have no idea. They're, uh, open till pretty late. They are? Why do you ask, dear? Oh, no reason. I was just wondering how long they stay open. Is Father around in the living room any place? Your father went out. Is that right? He went out? Mr. Hubbard, will I be in your way here? No, ma'am. Well, uh, goodbye. Where are you going, Henry? Uh, just in the living room. Look around. Operator. Operator, could you get me the Centerville Gazette, please? Yes, ma'am. Are you in the living room? Uh, uh, I think I am, Mother. <laughs> Mr. Hubbard, uh, 
Robert wants to know whether you picked up his screwdriver. Uh, tell him he'll find it in his left hip pocket. Mm, thank you. Hello? Well, how do I put in an advertisement? Coops. Just ordinary pigeon coops. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Sign at Henry W. Aldridge. Yeah. About how much will that be? As much as that? Well, would it be cheaper if I left the W out? <laughs> well, supposing I leave the Henry out? Okay. Just say, uh, reasonable prices paid for old pigeon coops. Sign at Aldridge. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Goodbye. Henry, will you see us at the door, please? Yes, Mother. I'd be very glad to help you, Mother. Gee whiz, Tommy. You over here already? I came over to get my rabbits. Yeah, come on in. Did, uh, did you ask your folks whether it'd be all right? I don't know why it wouldn't be all right. Why should I worry them about a little thing like that? Yeah, well, come on down the cellar stairs. Why don't you want them, Henry? My folks would rather I raise pigeons. Pigeons? Sure. I've become a pigeon fancier. Yeah? Sure. I may even raise pigeons for the Army. Big money in it, Tommy. Yeah? Mm-hmm. For the Department of Interior Communications. Yeah? Uh, your rabbits are around here on the other side of the preserve closet. Oh, hey, show them to me. Now, listen, before I let you see them, uh, when do I get that who's it you promised me on the telephone? Oh, uh, tomorrow, Henry. I couldn't bring it over tonight. Okay. Well, here they are in this box. Look at them. That's what I say. Can you beat that? Well, what's the matter? They're right here. <laughs> Can you imagine that, huh? But all I want is four. You gotta take eight. I haven't got room for eight. I'm gonna have trouble keeping just four in my closet. Well, you should have gotten here sooner, Tommy. Well, this certainly isn't my fault. Henry, is that Tommy down there? Yes, Mother, that's Tommy. Is he taking all four of the rabbits? Yes, Mother. I'm certainly glad to hear that, dear. Tommy. Tommy, when we go up, don't say anything about the four I'm keeping. Why not? Maybe I can surprise my mother after all. Boy, am I going to make money. Rabbits in our basement and pigeons in our attic. <laughs> That's the first portion of the Aldridge family. We'll have more after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Aldridge family from 1940. Then we'll open the creaking door to the inner sanctum. I hope you'll be with us. We'll see you then. <laughs> 